0: And welcome back to another installment of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm a conspiracy skeptic, Carl Maymer, and I'm coming off a bit of a brutal, kind of cold something or another. But, so I might I might cough a little bit. I'm gonna, I'll try to edit those out, plus all the uh, all the, uh, you knows. I'll try to edit the you knows out as well, but I'll try to edit the coughs out, but no guarantees. Anyways, uh, my guest today is uh, Jacob, Jacob Jacks. Jacob, say hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. All right, and Jacob, uh, Jacob, you are uh, wow. You are you are wow, Jacob. That's all I'm <laughs> gonna say right now. You're well, right. thank you, and
1: uh, good night. Yeah.
0: You're, you're wow. Uh, may, many people who will, might remember you from the last Tam Tam Eight, if if they were at uh, Michael Gudo's little juggling seminar, you were uh, at the end of the juggling seminar. There were sort of a three jugglers: Gudo. And two others, and you're sort of doing some club passing. You you were kind of the height weight proportional guy, with uh, actually actually we're, if we're talking yeah if we're talking about Tam. You people just might remember you at Tam as the height weight proportional guy, not just the height weight proportional juggler.
1: Yeah, I guess I am. Of all the, the jugglers at Tam, I'm probably the shortest and smallest one. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. just because you know you just have pen there, and uh, that's what happens. Wow. Well, yeah. Video.
0: Well, Penn wasn't actually there at TAM 8, but I guess he's going to be at TAM 9, I guess.
1: That's true. I'm very excited about that. Yeah.
0: And, uh, right. So, uh, what other things? And I guess you are technically also the the second person on Conspiracy Skeptic to have juggled from the Penn and Teller stage at uh, at the Rio, Rio All Suites Hotel, no?
1: I did do that. That was the highlight of my entire life. Who was the other person? Uh, well, I guess
0: Michael Goodow has juggled. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: That counts. He's done it more than I have.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, so... Uh, yeah so, so let's just introduce you you are basically you're you're kind of a juggler slash magician or a magician slash juggler how would you i would go
1: with the second one i'm a magician first and a juggler uh second i i juggle for fun and i do magic for fun but i also do it for a living
0: okay cool and you're you're kind of uh you're 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 kind of an up and coming magician dude aren't you
1: yeah i haven't gotten hugely successful yet that's what that means
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but uh you're you're definitely uh you you're you're uh you're in vegas right
1: Yes, I'm in Las Vegas. I have a house here. I just moved into a house. Oh, really?
0: Okay. Did you yeah. buy a, You're doing so well you bought a house?
1: No, there's some other performer friends that
0: I live with, actually. Oh, okay. So you're, you're kind of renting? Properties yeah. there is real cheap, I
1: noticed. Yes, yeah, so it means I can live in a house, which is nice.
0: <laughs> Thank God for that crash, yes.
1: Yeah, if I were doing uh, here, what if I were doing uh, the stuff I'm doing here in New York, I would have a tiny, tiny little apartment and it would cost me. Five times what the house here costs, you know. Oh,
0: so, okay. And, and, and how how old are you?
1: I'm 21. I just turned that a couple months ago.
0: Okay, young, young fellow. And uh, you uh, and you're you're still stu- you're still in university.
1: I'm a part time student at UNLV. I take a few classes, uh, but the the uh, show business has kind of uh, taken over for me. And it's kind of my main thing now.
0: So. Okay. Okay. Cool. And uh, and so so uh you so you're studying. What are you studying at university?
1: I was a theater major for a couple years. Uh, lately I've been taking a lot of dance classes, uh, Mm -hmm. because those are really fun. And, you know, when you look at me, you think dancer. No, if people saw me, they would, they would know that that's not the case at all, but it's a lot of fun and, uh, it keeps me at school and I may take some more theater classes in the future. I'm not sure. It's just that I've been doing so many shows that, uh, it's kind of taken a back seat for the moment. Okay,
0: Okay, cool. And I guess we, we met, um, I was in Vegas for TAM last year and, uh, and, uh, I guess i I'm. I'm Michael Goudot. I'm his webmaster. Yes. I, I sort of do his website. So, uh, so when I went to Vegas, I I said to Michael, Michael, you know, I don't charge you a lot for that website, but I am calling in every favor I can call in when I go to Vegas. So, uh, so we got we got to go to like uh, you know, hang out backstage at the Penn and Teller show and hang out backstage at the Lance Burton show and then we who's 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 that guy the uh, the full tilt poker guy who's that?
1: That would be uh, Perry Friedman.
0: Right, yeah, the one of yeah. the guys who owns Full Tilt Poker. We spent yeah. July four at his house, and yeah, Penn, he's, yeah, yeah Pen and his whole family. They came swimming, and I blew up pool toys for uh, for his kids. And like, like, it's like, like, literally, the first three hours I was in Vegas was like the most awesome vacation ever. And then, and then we went back to Godot's house for some sort of weenie roast, and uh, and you were there. And, uh, and that's why I met you, right? I met you. At- yeah, and I,
1: I knew of you because you know, so there's this guy from Canada who I haven't met yet who's done my website, and it's wonderful. So I knew about the Carl that did the website, and you, I think, included me briefly in an article that you'd written. Right, right, uh, yes. So it was nice to finally meet you, yeah, randomly yeah, yeah. in the backyard.
0: Yeah, and that, that was kind of cool because I was like, yeah, I was at Michael's house in – uh, uh, Mac, Mac King was there, and uh, and yeah. I was I was I was really out of my element, and and I kind of wanted to sort of do the whole fanboy thing, but I'm kind of like really shy. And then you kind of just sort of step up, and you're like, oh, you're Carl, you th- I'm a fanboy too, like, and you kind of just open the door, and you know we could just fanboy out together. So we, we you took me to see Michael's um his tour his Tour de France uh reclining yes, the stationary bike <laughs> the stationary bike, and we were just yeah. like we were just like you know. Going all fanboy over it. it was it was it was it was a lot of fun and and, and
1: you, you yeah it. I, it's something that I struggle with so it was nice to struggle with it with someone else because I've come here and kind of hanging out with a lot of people that I've looked up to for years so I'm always trying to gauge how much I can talk to them about their work that I love and how much I should just spend hanging out and being a friend you know so right right yeah nice well, to have another fan there.
0: Yeah, that was a lot of cool. And then, and I found, and then uh, there, there was you, and there were a couple, a couple other magician guys. Uh, you, you kind of, you, um, sort of stu- student magicians. What do you call yourselves? Like,
1: oh, uh, well, we're young magicians. Young um, magicians, okay. I think uh, Sean was there. Sean, uh, I think, has moved to another uh, town in Nevada. He's not a working magician. He's a hobbyist. I guess is how oh, you would okay. describe him. And Chris uh, is one of my roommates. Actually, Christopher Rose, and he's. Uh, He's a working magician. He's more of a mentalist, though. He does kind of the, the magic that looks like mind reading, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Ah, uh, right, yes. Was he, he was the one with a notebook, because we went to go see the Matt King show, and he just, he had this notebook, and, f- like, everywhere we went, he had this notebook, and he was always writing strange codes in the notebook. And then when I asked him about it, he's like, it's for a trick, and that's all he would tell
1: me. <laughs> Chris is very meticulous about that kind of thing, but yeah, he also enjoys, you know, just making up Codes and And learning uh, mathematical codes and stuff, so okay. he kind of does that to pass the time it's the same way that I hold a pack of cards and, and work on magic tricks to pass the right, time okay.
0: so i, I got to say if you ever go to Vegas, totally try to hook up with like a couple magicians because they they kind of show you the side of Vegas that you kind of don't see you know which was, which is was really
1: cool yeah, it is a real town people, people forget that there's, there's some cool stuff other than the three miles of the strip which has some cool stuff in it but you know if you live here you learn about all the other cool stuff too
0: yeah exactly but uh anyways so i I guess i kind of want to have you on because you're a you're sort of a a uh up-and-coming magician and and you're sort of getting into the whole magic thing and and the idea that like you know i mean is magic a conspiracy you know that that uh um you know that there's there's all these secrets you have to keep and stuff like that and uh and, uh, you know, there's, there's the sort of the line about, like, if, you know, if uh, two people know a secret, you know, it's, it can't possibly be a conspiracy. But, uh, t- so talk, talk about magic. Is it, w- is, is it kind of a conspiracy? Are you keeping all kinds of secrets? Or uh,
1: There's kind of a, a stigma around magic that it's much more secretive than it is. And there are some magicians that take the idea of secrets very seriously. Um, I do not at all. Um, I mean, the reason that, that there's secrets in magic is because uh, you're creating an illusion, right? You want to make something uh, happen that looks impossible. Okay. clearly can happen. And the secret for that is never going to be as exciting as the illusion that you've done the impossible. So if I, if I put a coin in my hand and it vanishes, uh, and the secret to that is I really didn't put it in my hand, it stayed in my other hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's kind of a cool idea, but it's much less cool than seeing a coin visibly go into my hand and then just dematerialize and be gone. So the, the whole original reason for not giving away those secrets was just because they're boring and disappointing. Um, so I don't think, you know, th- there's not really this magician's code, I don't think, that we can't reveal anything. Uh, I mean, and Penn and Teller have it pretty well figured out, you know. You reveal the secret if the secret is interesting. If it's not interesting, if it's just disappointing and boring, you don't reveal it. So, I you know, I, I wasn't bothered by the masked magician giving away tricks or anything because it wasn't, they weren't interesting. People didn't really like it because, it you know... <laughs> They were just boring secrets, so okay. I don't think it's that much of a conspiracy, you know.
0: Now, now you, uh, you know, you, uh, you're sort of. I mean, I mean, you you, you juggle with Pendulette from time to time. You've got like a little juggling club at uh, UNLV.
1: Yes, uh, I just kind of originally when I when I came here, actually, um, I met Michael Gudow, who I was already, you know, he doesn't like to hear me say this, but I was a big fan of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's very modest, but. Uh,
0: Extremely so met, modest, yes.
1: Yeah, I met him at TAM. And I actually, I actually, my first uh, TAM, I wasn't living in Vegas yet. Uh, it was, I guess, TAM 7, so that would have been in 2009. Okay. Um, and I had brought juggling props, you know, because I wanted to juggle with, with Michael Goudot and Penn Jillette. I was fans of their radio show and fans of the Penn & Teller show and, of course, the Lance Burton show that has Michael Goudot in it. And I, you know, I approached Penn and said, hey, can I juggle with you? And he said, sure, and juggled with me for a few minutes. And when I went up to Goudot... You know, I said, "Hey, I really like your work," and he saw the props and said, "Cool, let's juggle," and kind of suggested it before I even got to do that. So we juggled and talked for you know over an hour, uh-huh. uh, and he was really uh, generous for this time. And I said, "I'll be moving here for college," and he said, "Well, we should, you know, we should get together and juggle." And when I moved here, I called him and said, "Let's get together and juggle." And he said, "How about once a week on Tuesdays?" <laughs> Which was you know wonderful for me. It was way more than I was expecting. And uh, more and more people started to come. We started to bring other performers from around town. We have a couple friends in the show, La Rev, that, you know, come. And so it's become this weekly thing where we get, you know, you know, 10 or 12 to, you know, 20 people, I guess at the most, juggling with us. Every right, right, right.
0: So to to sort of get into – I mean, to kind of get into magic, it just sort of seemed like you, you just sort of had to show up and be nice and show you had some talent and – People kind of take you under their wing, so it's not really like a, you know, it's not it's not like because if we want to join the Bilderbergers, you and I, we just can't we just can't show up at the hotel and and have earnest expressions.
1: Yeah, and you know, not all magicians are are interested in having kind of an understudy, and I don't really have like I don't think I have an official mentor. I, I don't think Goudot would call himself that towards me, but he's been very helpful and there's some other guys that have been really generous with their time and you know I used to when the Lance Burton show was running at the Monte Carlo I would go backstage a few times a week and work on material with him so uh yeah I mean you find someone with similar interests that's much farther along in their career and uh offer to do whatever they want I you know I carried Michael Guido's unicycle to gigs with him you know <laughs> you know in re- in return for just getting to uh just getting to bounce ideas off of him in the car on the way there you know right. um so but other guys aren't aren't so interested in that you know i don't think i don't think Penn and teller are interested in in having a mentor but or having a sorry having a, a protege or whatever the word is mm-hmm,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: they're very uh they're very sweet and very generous you know if you're if you're hanging out with them they're certainly happy to bounce ideas back and forth right but right. uh yeah
0: well and um what's this magic castle thing uh
1: the magic castle is a kind of famous uh private club. In Los Angeles, California. It's in an old mansion uh, from the 19, early 1960s or late 1950s. Um, and you have to be a member for the most part to get in. Um, and they have, it's kind of dinner theater. They have magic performances there. They have a number of rooms. They have a, a room for close up magic where you're very close to a table and a person is doing things right in front of your face. They have a stage room. I believe it's called the Palace of Mystery. <laughs> uh, and that's where you know, people perform on stage. Um, And there's guys at the bar doing magic and, you know, lots of, lots of old kind of creepy things like to get in, there's a, I believe there's a metal owl uh, and you have to say open sesame and then a bookcase, you know, turns around and you're inside the magic castle. Um, And a lot of uh, wonderful performers, you know, have, have performed there over the year. Not so many, I mean, there are some magicians that are famous now who performed there, but it's a lot of guys who are really, really skilled and, and wonderful that are only famous to other magicians, you know. Right, uh, right. Not, not big names in the public. Right, okay.
0: But, yeah. yeah, that was another thing I thought was interesting because when we're going to see uh, uh, like Matt King and you're were, you were telling me about things to look like look out for at the Lance Burton show is, is, is you, you kind of see things that, that, you know, schleps like me don't sort of see and which you're you not a. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just like because uh, yeah. I don't know really anything about magic, I'm, I'm, and I'm very. Right, easy you're, a, to...
1: you're a layman or a non-magician.
0: Yeah, I'm very easy to fool too. So. Uh, you know. Well,
1: yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I look at, the, at certainly look at magic shows differently because sometimes I'm looking at method as well as. Uh, you know uh, people who watch a trick they 're interested in the presentation and and you know they go along with it. sometimes magicians get really, really just focused on, okay, let me see what method they 're using for this, and if they 've studied the same uh, books on card tricks that I have and uh, stuff like that, I try not to get too bogged down with that because uh, sometimes it, it can make it less fun for me to I try to just be an audience member um, you know and i I like honestly getting fooled as much as the next person, I think most magicians. That's the reason they got into magic is because they really like the feeling of having someone you know do a trick for you and okay. what you know you just completely flabbergasted like when I see Penn and Teller do the bullet catch you know.
0: All right, now, now are are you easily fooled by the magicians? Like, do you if you watch a magic show, do you go, I know how that's done, or are there some tricks you know how are done, or, or are there a lot of tricks you just have no idea?
1: Uh, yeah, I think as magicians go. I'm more easily fooled than most magicians, and maybe because they've decided that they want to really kind of figure stuff out. I really like still being fooled. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, when I go see Penn & Teller, I'm constantly fooled, and Mac Mac can fool me very, very easily. In fact, the other day I was over at his house just for dinner, and he uh, just... Uh, was just kind of playing around, sitting there, and he made a, a pool ball vanish without even thinking about it. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, yeah, that was the other thing I thought was cool too about like sort of hanging around with you guys is is that is it just seems like every time you pick something up, you you look at it and you go, you're like, how can I make this disappear? How can I bounce this on the end of my nose? Like like everything.
1: You're, yeah, you're, and I'm guilty of that more than other guys. I, I they like Michael Michael Budeau has calmed down as far as wanting to practice juggling all the time. He may have gotten it out of his system, but. Uh, but yeah, I think it's like with any job, uh, you know, it's something that you work on all the time. So, uh, we're always trying to see if I can, if there's a way I can hide something in my hand or, you know, maybe I can make my keys vanish, you know, it's, and, and you get to the point where you do it without thinking about it. And I'll be, you know, back when I used to live in Philadelphia, I, I would sit on the subway and sometimes I would make a coin vanish and kind of not even realize I'd be listening to music and you'd see right. people across the way from you, like bug eyed, like what, you know, know.
0: You had a funny story about like sometimes you'll uh, you'll 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 babysit for for Michael, right? Sure. Yeah, and uh, what was your your funny story is that?
1: Oh yes, yes. Um, Well, it's just that you know, I thought that for a while, you know, I was the the king of babysitting because you're the
0: ultimate babysitter, right?
1: I do. I juggle and do magic tricks, and what ten year old wouldn't love that? You can keep them entertained for five hours just changing playing cards into other playing cards and picking up objects and throwing them around. And then, you know, I went and babysitted for, for Goudot the first time without even really thinking about it. And, uh, you know, their their father is uh, one of the best comedy jugglers in the world, and his boss is Lance Burton. So it's like, what could I possibly do? And I was like, I started juggling, and they were like, yeah, 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 yeah you know, we're going to go play video games on the computer. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, Joey likes trains, so if he could just... Uh, yes. Yeah. If he could do train magic. Is there
1: train exactly. magic? I, well, you know, you... you Any object can be manipulated. You can do sleight of hand with it, so with enough practice. And uh, Copperfield made the Orient Express vanish in the 1980s, so Uh, I don't have that kind uh, of budget, but it is possible. Okay. All
0: right. And and, um, what was going to say? You also do... uh, You you do, like, street performance?
1: Yeah, I've gotten uh, very seriously into that. It's a a big part of how I make my living and a big part of uh, my performance schedule now. Um, And it was... It was always an idea. It's something that I wanted to do because street performing, uh, one, it's a great way to make a living, but it's also, it makes you better really, really quickly no matter what skill you're doing. If you're a musician, it makes you better. If you're a, if you're a magician, it makes you better. If you're a juggler. Um, but it's terrifying. So I'd never done it. Um, it's really terrifying to go out there and kind of show your art and know that people probably aren't going to stop and watch you. So I, I okay. put it off and put it off. Okay. And, you know, if... Lance Burton was a big uh, hero of mine, inspiration of mine when I was a kid getting into magic. And then, you know, a little later on, Michael Goudot. And, and both of them, will, the advice that they give to every young magician or performer is do as many shows as you can. Just anywhere anywhere you possibly can. You know, old folks' homes, do free shows, you know, go to the local library, do shows there. It doesn't matter if you're getting paid. You just need that performance experience. Right, yeah. So uh, Goudot just really pushed for me to get out on the street, and I finally did it. And... It's been wonderful. I do it all the time. I'm out there like you know three or four or five days a week now. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah, because I remember uh, when when I was living in Seattle, I I did like some stand up comedy at like a you know local comedy club, and and um, at first I was like really nervous, but then uh, you know I I went there a few times before I got up on stage, and I realized that you know people when they go to a comedy club, they're they're there to laugh. They want to laugh. They've paid money to laugh, and they're drinking a bit. And the jokes don't even have to be that funny. And People just want to laugh and they laugh. But I would imagine, you know, in the like, a, uh, you know, in a theater, people are there to enjoy magic. But on the street, right? You, that's a t- that's a tougher audience.
1: Yeah, that's an added terror is because you're you're convincing people that they should stop and watch you, and then you're convincing them that they should stay for the ten minutes or however long your show is. Mine's about ten minutes. Uh, and then at the end of that, you're convincing that not only should they stay and watch you and applaud and and say nice things to you, but they should also pay you what your show is worth. You know, and so that's it's a very it's a daunting challenge, and the only way to to get over it is to go out and do it. You know, and and it gets less and less terrifying the more you do it. Oh,
0: cool. Okay. And uh, yeah, you know, one of the things I found is, um, you know, because a lot of times people just want to know how magic tricks are done, and if you go if you go into like YouTube, you know, there's people who show you how to do magic tricks. But one thing I sort of found, uh, uh, one of the more fun ways like if you don't want to just be shown how to do the trick but you want to try to maybe figure the trick out is just look for the tricks on youtube like people doing the tricks and there's always somebody who does the trick so badly yep. that yep. that that you you can kind of figure out how they do it like the uh what's, like like the little um rubber thumb
1: uh trick oh like vanishing a silk into a into a fake thumb yeah, yeah
0: a fake thumb yeah. you had another great anecdote about you you're you're out with like uh, like Penn and Teller and there's another magician and the guy was saying, saying something about oh the rubber thumb is just like so old or something. Oh
1: no no this was this is actually me. Uh yeah I I've I don't want to make I don't want to give the false impression that I'm friends with Penn and Teller or anything. I've I've hung out with them a few times and they've been really nice, but I'm certainly not uh I'm an acquaintance, you know, not really Name,
0: name, name drop, name drop. Don't worry about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but but I don't think they would like that. So yeah we spent some time together. But I, I had dinner with uh with Pendulette and uh and Michael Goudot and a few others um, after the Lance Burton show one night had come to see the show and I was there, um, and I was talking about uh, a trick that they'd done on a special, using a thumb tip, which is a fake thumb, thumb that fits over your real thumb and you can hide things in it. Magicians who are listening are going to hate me for saying that, but but I mean the joke is that that you can give that away and if you're really good with a thumb tip, it doesn't matter because they still can't catch you. You know, I'm not really giving much away. So I said I really enjoyed the the trick you did with the thumb tip. And Penn, kind of as a joke, kind of looked around nervously and went, shh, putting his finger over his mouth as if I shouldn't be saying that loudly in a restaurant because I might <laughs> give people, you know. And he doesn't really care at all, which uh-huh. is of course the joke. So yeah, that was a great moment.
0: Oh okay, all right. But but something about like was, was it Teller saying something like you know, uh, you know, come and watch the show and like I use the the Oh, that's
1: t- <laughs> yes. Uh, this was a couple friends of mine. Oh, okay, uh, this wasn't. I wasn't there for this, but um, someone was saying yes. The thumb tip. This is kind of a similar point. The thumb tip. Everyone knows that secret. It's all over the internet. You know, they've been selling it in magic shops for years. You know, you can't do anything cool with a thumb tip. And I believe Teller said, you know, come to the show tonight and uh, see if you can count how many times I use one. And uh, I don't think the guy could catch him using it at all. But I. But the Teller's point was, I use one a number of times in the show. At least in that current version of the show. Um, so he said, you know, his point was as long as you're creative, even if someone knows about a prop or is familiar with a secret, uh, you can still fool them. So don't don't shortchange the thumb tip. So
0: okay. now, now, one of the things about like um, you know, let's say like like Randy, you know, Ra- Randy's always sort of showing you know, like secrets of the psychic, and but yeah. but he doesn't sort of show you how really the psychic does the trick. He just sort of. Does it with sleight of hand, and he says, You know, sure. if I can do it with sleight of hand, you know, be skeptical. And, and people are always saying, Well, why not how come he doesn't actually show us how to do the trick so that in future we, you know, we can spot the, you know, the, the sleight of hand moves or something like that? But what's, what, what's, what's sort of, what's the fallacy there?
1: Well, uh, he's not doing it. The reason I think that a lot of people would think is he's a magician and doesn't want to give away the secret. That's definitely not the reason because Randy cares much more about, uh, people understanding reality and not being taken in by charlatans than he does about protecting some stupid magic secret. So don't don't confuse it for that. I believe he's mentioned it, and, and I can speak to this a little bit uh, as well, is that uh, there's a term in magic uh, called being half-smart, okay. and uh, that term refers to if you let in, honestly let in a spectator, a non-magician, on a little bit of the secret but not enough to fully understand it, they can almost get fooled harder. Mm-hmm. and Randy wants to avoid doing that to people by showing them the secret. For example, there are many ways of having someone draw a picture, put it in an envelope, and not show it to you, and you predict or make it look like you predict what they, what they drew. There's a number of different ways of doing that. If Randy does one on a TV show and then shows you how it's done, you will then think that's how those tricks are done. Mm-hmm. So if someone does it a different way, there's this may be, you know it's not a huge possibility, but he wants to avoid it, this implication of... of of inclination to go, okay, well, it wasn't done the way I know the trick is done, so he must really be psychic. Right, yes, uh, yeah. And that's called being half smart, and I think that's what Randy wants to avoid. It, you know, it's, it would take too long for him to give you a full in depth lecture about all of the different ways to do each trick, so he'd rather just show that they can be faked right. and not give them away. Right. So
0: it's not part of the conspiracy then, right? Yeah, no, not at all. Okay. Got to bring it back to the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I just want to have you on because you're such a darn cool guy. So. <laughs> oh, so I got to kind of hammer this into like, it's a conspiracy, isn't it? <laughs> but, we're, uh, we're
1: debunking that magic is not a
0: conspiracy. Right. Is right. Magic is not a conspiracy. Uh, let's see. Um, now, you also uh, so you do street performing in Fremont, Fremont District or –
1: there there are street performers on Fremont Street. Um, because of uh, people who've been to Vegas will know this. There's something called the Fremont Street Experience, okay. which is uh, which is it's covered by a giant light board, and every 15 minutes or 30 minutes they kind of do a giant light show, and that would make it really hard for me to work. So I tend to just be on the actual Las Vegas Boulevard on you know the Strip. That's where I do my my street oh, shows. Oh, okay, yeah.
0: Okay. And, and don't you carry a piece of paper around with you to show police officers or something if they stop you? You
1: can. Um, I have – because it's so it's so clearly legal at this point, I don't. And maybe I should. The ACLU uh, will give you uh, cards that, that say you can street perform. But they've been – they had a long fight with uh, the Las Vegas uh, city, I guess the government here, uh, to make it legal. And that's a – street performing has had this trouble – since uh, its inception, I think of just you know being allowed to do it, especially in the United States. They they you know they say street performing is panhandling, it's begging because you're taking money, or it's <laughs> soliciting, you know. Um, and really, um, all of those things are covered under free speech. First of all, it's not any of those. It's not really begging because you're not saying, "Please give me money, I need it." You're saying, "I'm doing an act, and if you like the act and you think it deserves money, then you should pay me." Okay. Um, but yeah, so the, the ACLU recently won saying street performing is legal as long as we're on uh, public property, which makes sense. I, if I'm on a casino property, they have the right to say we'd rather you not be here. But, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's perfectly legal at this point.
0: Okay. And you uh, also do uh, – aren't you sometimes in uh, some like uh, show at a casino?
1: Yeah. Um, I've actually been lucky enough to uh, be one of the backup guys at a, a show called Crazy Horse uh, Paris. Okay. which is a show at the MGM. And it's actually a burlesque show, so it's it's got uh, topless women. And then there's two uh, variety acts to kind of mix it up because you wouldn't think that you'd get tired of seeing naked women, but you do a little bit during okay. the show. Uh, and one of the variety acts is a dance act, and the other one is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a puppetry act. It's hard to describe. It's called The Quiddlers. That's okay. what I'm a part of. Um, it's an act where we wear special costumes that make it look like we're very small. Um, so we do an act called... Micro Jackson and Bubbles, where it's it's a, a very small Michael Jackson and a very small monkey, and they do a dance routine together, and it's really really funny. Uh, and play Bubbles, so
0: okay.
1: yeah, I've been I, I do that every now and then. I'm not I'm not a full time person there, but but they've been uh, generous to to allow me to perform there sometimes.
0: Well, that's awesome. And yeah, uh, nice. yeah uh, and the speaking about Topless Showgirls, I, I I I I never saw it, but if you were ever backstage at the Lance Burton show. Then like the show girls or something they they kind of had to change in the hall or something they didn't have time to get back to the dressing room between and you were always instructed like if you see showgirls changing in the hallway don't look at them like just of you know don't Google them
1: yeah i mean that's a general that's a general and yeah uh gudo gave me that same instruction but it's a general thing for shows people are often changing backstage just kind of wherever because you you don't know how much time you have um and so you want to Kind of remain respectful even in, even in the Crazy Horse Show, which is a show you know where the women are 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 mostly naked on stage, you know you want to be respectful of them if they if you see them backstage because right. you know they 're people, so we just try and you know avoid them and you know but they see us in our underwear when we change, so it, it's you know you get kind of this weird comfortability with everyone okay. uh, when you 're in a show so
0: okay cool all right and uh all right so your your advice for magicians. Who want to get into into the biz, uh, do street shows?
1: That's a really good thing. Not every town is perfect for street shows. Okay. Uh, I, I'm kind of I kind of lucked out to live in uh, Las Vegas because uh, you know we have a high level of tourists, and that's kind of what you need to do street shows. Okay. Uh, because even if you live in a town where there's just a high level of traffic in a certain area, you can do street shows there. But if there's not tourists, you may be running into the same people over and over again. They they may not watch your show nine oh. times a day. Um, whereas here I have, uh, revolving kind of audience all the time. But yeah, I would, if you can do street shows, travel to do street shows. Um, and I would, the main thing is just do as many shows as possible. Right. Okay. It's very helpful to do what everyone does, which is read magic books and sit in your room in front of a mirror and practice hours and hours and hours. You should do that. I, but you should also perform that stuff for real people and fail miserably because that's how you get better.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: How, how, how many hours a day do you practice? It varies. When I started out, uh, when I first started doing magic, when I was ten, uh, and I wasn't very serious about it, I would just kind of buy a lot of tricks at the magic shop. Uh, that kind of the apparatus does the trick for you. So that you require a little bit of practice, but not too much. Um, and then I, when I was a teenager, I got more into the kind of hardcore sleight of hand stuff, and I was putting in, you know, three, three or four hours a day. Um, at this point, I think I have probably an hour a day devoted. So working on my show, um, but I also, you know, I have a pack of cards with me every, almost everywhere I go and coins right. and stuff. So I'm always fiddling with it in my hands. And then I'm doing shows all the time, and I count that as practice because I can always try new stuff right. in the show. Yeah.
0: Now, one of the things I thought was fascinating, and I, and I, I, I don't think I'm giving away any secrets here, is we, we we're, we're at Matt King's house, and uh, we're playing croquet at Matt King's house, which is like, how awesome is that? Just. We're just yeah, we're, yeah. pinching it though. So. Yeah, and then you're trying to like balance croquet mallets on your nose and stuff. It was quite fascinating. But um, and then we're we're in his kitchen and he's got all these like trade magic trade sort of magazines, which I guess real magicians would read. And, uh, and so I'm looking at one, and there's something about like card tricks or something, and it's sort mm-hmm. of saying, like, you know, organize your deck in a certain way. And they've got all these terms, like, the, you know, a, a Pearson deck or something. I don't know. I, I'm just making that up. but And, I, yeah, and I asked him, like, well, what, what the hell is this? And you're, you're saying, oh, you know, you can order decks... You, in certain ways, you just and magicians will just actually memorize the actual order of all fifty two cards won 't they
1: yep, and some magicians would get angry at me for admitting that, but i um, i don 't think it matters. I think that you know uh, this is you know they say the mark of a good magician is one who can tell you the honest secret uh, to their trick and then still fool you with it um, but yeah, there 's a lot of really difficult things in card magic, and one of them is is memorization, and there are some tricks that involve just being able to either really quickly or um, or you know, take a while to memorize the entire order of a pack of cards you yeah. Know, um, so yeah yeah that 's just sort
0: of fascinating, like sort of the level of devotion, some magicians yeah. you know, in fact, sp-
1: i do a, I do a trick in my show where it looks like I memorized the whole deck that 's the trick is that you shuffle the cards and I memorize them in twenty seconds, and then I call out the order, and I started doing it because i want, I was never good at memorization, and okay. the trick that I do, and I talk about this in the show is. It's not real. It looks like memorization, but there's a trick to it, so I don't actually have to memorize uh, the cards. And I always thought that idea was fascinating. I'm not the first person to deal with that, but the <laughs> idea of doing something that you could do that would be really hard, but faking it and making it look real. Right. Uh, okay. So that's it. Yeah.
0: And um, what was I going to say? Now, now, what was it? Pen Penjullet. He always a famous thing about um, you know, you, uh, you know, a trick that say uh, it's like. Three seconds on the stage, you don't sort of realize that you know, uh, you know, uh, a magician has spent you know three years, you know, six hours a day in his bedroom perf- perfecting. Um, yeah. What what in in the tricks you do? What would what trick do you do that you would say, you know, is it sort of represents that I, I idea?
1: Well, there's a number of of kind of slights. You know, there's there's a difference between slights and tricks. I kind of think of a, a trick as kind of a fully formed routine okay. that may have a number of different slights in it. A slight refers to the actual move that you're doing, and there could be a number of those. Um, but there's a there's a move in card magic where you where you secretly take a person's card from the middle and bring it to the top of the pack without them looking at it. it looks like okay. it goes right into the center, and then before you know it, it's on the top of the deck. And it involves literally just cutting the pack really, 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 really fast. Okay. And uh, it's kind of a it's one of those things that magicians kind of try and see who can do it the best. And I do it okay. Mine's not perfect, but I, the point where it is now which is kind of a mediocre uh version of the trick it's i've spent about a year doing it a hundred times a day wow. so uh that's to get it just kind of up to speed and not perfect so that's one example of you know of just the tiniest thing and and you know you don't even see it in the trick because maybe i don't want you to know the card is on the top of the deck okay. but uh it's you know it's, it's literally less than a second and it's taken a long long time to learn
0: now, one of the things I notice at- Tam 8 was, uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of sort of amateur ma- magicians there, and 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 they're always going up to Randy and showing Randy their tricks. And Randy's always very gracious and, like, you know, he acts surprised when he's supposed to act surprised. And Land of Goshen, that's sort of his big yeah. expression or something. And, yeah. and uh, you know, did you ever go up to Randy and try to show him a trick?
1: I haven't yet uh, because I'm terrified to, honestly, because he's a big hero of mine and he's very knowledgeable in magic, but I, I'd love to. Um Although uh, you talked about me being on the on the Penn and Teller stage uh, that one time, when they they were filming a TV special, you know Shack versus where right. they, they battle Shaquille O'Neal to do uh, to do magic, uh, and they needed you know Michael Godot was there performing a little bit, and he called me up on stage, and as I was coming off stage, uh, I saw James Randi in the audience, and there were a thousand people in that audience. Like that's I think that's about the number of of, of seats in the theater, and that's the biggest audience I've ever performed for. And you would think that that would terrify me, but it was nothing compared to the fact that Randy had been watching me perform. Okay. So, But the, he came up to me afterward and said, young man, you handled yourself very well up there. And oh, that that's meant, awesome. You know, it meant the world to me, even though it was just kind of a passing comment from him. But Right, fact, yeah. And, and, you know, you'll hear people like Penn and, and other performers talk about this. When you really look up to someone, even the slightest compliment is, you know, just kills you and it just means the world. Uh, Penn, I think, said that... Uh, I think he said that Bob Dylan came to the show and said, "Nice show." After afterwards, yeah, I started crying because it's you know it's just such a hero of his. So, so yeah, I performed for Randy, but not magic yet. I'm hoping to at some point.
0: Okay, right. You're do, you're doing juggling. Yeah, I, I I think there are a lot of Tam seven people in that audience, or sorry, Tam eight people in that audience.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, people, you know, they have a big following at Tam because there are a lot of skeptics, and Penn and Teller are, are big-time skeptics, um, and you know, they kind of. Over the week of TAM, they usually, you know, people come to shows, different Penn and Teller shows. But at that time, Penn and Teller weren't going to be at TAM because they had to go to England. Right, yeah. So I yeah. think everyone was squeezing into that one show before Penn and Teller flew away. Yeah,
0: that, that was like really... The, the the shack part wasn't so funny but uh but <laughs> all the warm up stuff like but the G- good Gudo and uh, and Pen sort of they're like they're passing uh, machetes and
1: yeah three knives and and yeah. three torches I don't think the torches were lit because they didn't have any gasoline but yeah they were just kind of filling time yeah and yeah when I uh, got brought
0: up. yeah yeah that was that was hilarious and then they they had some guy like the, the sort of passing machetes with some guy in the middle and and uh and that looked like that looked dangerous was that dangerous
1: yeah I, I mean in juggling you add danger a lot of the time to to make things more exciting um but you don't want to do anything that's really really seriously dangerous uh because that would be stupid um <laughs> okay. but uh the, so those machetes uh you know they're not it's like people say well are they sharp and of course the answer is well uh, we've never dulled them, but we also don't regularly sharpen them, you know, cause okay. why would you? That would be stupid. So, um, if he were to get hit with one of those machetes, it would, he would say, ow, but it probably wouldn't, uh, cut him. So oh, okay. you want to do things that look very dangerous, but aren't, you know, uh, I think, uh, Penn and Teller relate it to, to a roller coaster ride. You want to feel very scared kind of in the moment, but know in your heart really that it's what's happening on stage is safe. Okay. Have you ever injured yourself doing any tricks? Uh, not so much magic, although I think when I used to, like, play with, like, fire magic tricks, I might have burned myself back when I was a stupid kid, which I might still be a stupid kid. But juggling, you get you get way more hurt than is cool, you know, because it's not cool to get seriously injured juggling. It's cool to get seriously injured wrestling or on a bike. No <laughs> but, kidding. Uh, we all, I think, uh, the first things you learn to juggle are, are juggling balls, and they're pretty harmless. And then you move on to juggling clubs, which are those things that look like bowling pins. And, uh... The very first time I juggled clubs, I was in a hotel room in New York, and I was standing next to the corner of a desk or something, and I one of the clubs hit me in the eye and gave me oh. a black eye and then slammed my face into the corner of the wall and kind of cut the back of my head. So I had to go into school the next day with, you know, a scab and a black eye. I'm like, did you get beat up? Like, no, I was juggling. <laughs> so you can kind of. You know, but it's, it's never cool. It's always embarrassing.
0: Right. Yeah. Women aren't really kind of going, Ooh, yeah.
1: yeah. Take him home. He got hurt juggling.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> what did, uh, uh, what, what Gudo's always going on about, uh, I, I sent him one time a picture of a juggler, like a street juggler I saw in, um, in, in Korea. And, uh, and Michael's like, yeah, he looks like your typical juggler as in like high or something. So, but, uh. I don't know. If, is that what he meant? I don't know. If that's what yeah, it. yeah. The guy looked like the guy t- looked totally baked.
1: Uh, well, there is, you know, the the magic community has this a little bit, but the uh, the juggling community has it a lot more. Which is, there's a big there's a big overlap in kind of hippie, new age community and the juggling community. It's not that's not one that I'm ascribed to, but but uh, a lot of people that like juggling and I guess because it's you know it's it's some kind of performance and you can do it outdoors and it's very social. Uh, you get a lot of people that are interested in juggling and also camping and not showering and doing drugs. <laughs> so,
0: right. and, and, and ta- you're, you're going to TAM this year?
1: Oh, absolutely! I'll be there as as often as I can. Yeah. Okay.
0: What what advice would you have for like first time TAM attendees?
1: Uh, I would get a uh, I would pay for the convention, um, and but I wouldn't buy unless you if there's a specific uh, workshop you know right off the bat you want to go to. I would wait till you get there and then decide. Uh, what workshops you want to go to which maybe the TAM people won't like me for saying not to buy them in advance but I think that one of the greatest things about TAM is the social atmosphere mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times if you're signed up for workshops you may find yourself hanging out at a restaurant or a bar with all of these other cool skeptics and you just want to keep chatting so, right, yeah. Yeah. so buy the convention package and then kind of schedule your time right. once you get there
0: And um, with with the exception of Richard Dawkins people are pretty approachable there aren't they
1: yeah, everyone's approachable. And, you know, Richard Dawkins um, was very kind and polite uh, when I met him. It's just that there were so many people that yeah. wanted to talk to him that he couldn't really spend all the time that everyone wanted. You know, he was, he's like, he's really a rock star at TAM because he's all of our heroes, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: He, I think he had to put up a bit of a frosty front to kind of like, because <laughs> people would just sort of gang.
1: Yeah, exactly. People kind of, you he go to the bar for a drink with his friend and we would all crowd around him and try to get photos with him. So. Oh. I can understand him wanting to spend some time in his room or keep moving, you know. But he was—he was very kind when we did chat with him.
0: The the, the actually the nicest person I met there was, uh, well, other than you, was uh, Simon <laughs> Sim, Simon Singh, which is fascinating because he's like—I mean, he's you know—he's brilliant and famous, and but just not me. But I, literally everybody I saw that talked to Simon Singh and asked him a question, Simon Singh would just like. Like you'd treat them like okay you know you're the most important person i 'm speaking to like like he just would give you this all this attention and he would listen to your questions and he would answer your questions and it was just it was just this feeling like like i 'm the most important person in this room right now to him and that's that, yeah,
1: yeah that tends to be a, a pretty common thing at Tam and it 's really wonderful that you can go see these people that for us you know a lot of our huge heroes are just you know really big high profile people and they 're just hanging out chatting about science and skepticism with us, you know
0: yeah exactly I mean some people would say like um, like Phil Plate, I mean Phil Plate is just impossible to talk to because he 's just always surrounded by you yep. know, a thick wall of people, all the money to talk to him, and uh, massimo Pili- Piliucci. Uh, he was he was great. He was like we were sitting in the uh, that little little bar near the cheap hot yeah, dog stand. And yeah, and he was sort of walking by and we're like Massimo and he,
1: <laughs> he hey, just came and sat with us and chatted. Yeah, yeah
0: you want to stop and have a drink? And he's like, Well, I'm going. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and he just talked to us for like <laughs> yeah. a couple hours. I'm like, Wow. That's yeah,
1: cool. and on the one hand, it's very cool. And on the other hand, it's like absolutely terrifying. Like this person is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. and then there's me. <laughs> I'm just a dopey guy doing card tricks.
0: I know exactly. He's like, "Who the hell am I?" Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, 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 Tam, what uh, what other advice do we have for for first time Tam people?
1: Um, I would stay at the South Point if you can, yeah, uh, where you it's happening, because uh, you're gonna want to be there all day, every day. And I know it's, for a lot of these people, it's their first time in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can get a cab to to the cool stuff on the Strip, or I'll drive you if you find me. But right. don't stay on the strip because the, the South Point is actually a casino that's away from the strip, and you want to you're going to spend you know 14 hours a day or more, yeah, you know, yeah, just hanging out with cool skeptics and seeing shows and stuff. So yeah, I would that's my biggest advice is stay there. And uh, Max Maven is a mentalist, uh, which we can talk about in a minute if you want what that sure. is. But
0: yeah.
1: uh he's performing at TAM this year, and I would absolutely recommend that show to everybody. He's brilliant. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So
0: the uh, yeah, just sort of uh, uh, underscore what you're saying, right? Because the the south the south point is actually they call it the developing southern south strip or something like that. But it's crap. It's just it's just really far away from the main strip. Yeah. Right. And pretty much from the moment you wake up to the moment your head hits the pillow, it's it's tam tam tam. And that's the way you want it to be because you're paying you're paying a pretty fair amount of money to be there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what I what I would suggest is if you if you got the time off, I mean, like take a couple of days, get a, get there a couple of days ahead of time, and like stay on the strip, do the strip for a few days. If you've sure. never been to Vegas, which I had never been to Vegas before, and then yeah. then head down to and then relocate to Southport.
1: Yeah, oh, that's right. You did that, right? You stayed at the Monte Carlo and yeah, then yeah. Right? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So that was that was fine. Yeah,
1: that's a great idea, actually. Yeah, yeah. if you can kind of. Uh, Sandwich your your amazing meeting experience with uh, with a couple of days on either side. There's there's great kind of Vegasy Vegas stuff to do, as in like going to casinos and seeing shows. And there's other other great outdoorsy Vegas stuff, like driving out into the desert and looking at stars and going hiking and stuff. So but, yeah, uh, if you have time for that. Do all that stuff too. Yeah,
0: and, and you're always going to find people at South Point who are like, hey, you know, we're going to get a cab. We're going to go someplace. It's very easy to sort of hook up with people. And
1: yeah, yeah. everyone's really generous there, and they they'll kind of uh kind of share their, their time and stuff. And yeah, people will give you rides everywhere. And now that I have a car, I'll give you rides if you find me. Oh, okay, cool. If I'm free, I'll give you a ride. That's <laughs> putting that out there on the podcast.
0: Cool. I was gonna say uh did there so something you want to say about a mental mentalism or
1: Oh well Max Maven uh is a mentalist and he's doing sh- an evening show uh at at the amazing meeting. And what a mentalist is, I I'm sure a lot of people know, but uh it's a magic show, but the type of magic you do looks like mind reading. Okay. So everything's tricks, of course, because we're skeptics. We all know it's all tricks. Um, but it looks like basically a psychic show um, where you don't know how the stuff is done. It looks like he's reading your mind or predicting the future or moving objects without touching them. Um, uh, but they're all done with either sleight of hand or, or all the other methods that, that magicians use. Um, and it's, it's really cool because it's a psychic show without any of the really, really mean-spirited uh, dishonesty, you know? Oh, right, okay. And you don't know how the stuff is done, but you know, he's not saying I have supernatural powers. He's just doing a show.
0: Right, okay, all right. You know, you, don't, you don't listen to my podcast, do you? Uh,
1: not yet. <laughs> that's, that's
0: all right, not yet. But you, know, you, don't, you, don't, you don't really listen to any podcast. Like, you're not like
1: a... I'm not a podcast guy and I should be. Okay. Um, yeah. I've listened to a couple episodes of um, the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe okay. and a little bit of George Hrab. Um And I like all that stuff. It's just not... The medium isn't something I've gotten into yet okay. and I really should because... Okay. Everyone that I look up to does a podcast.
0: All right. Because I was going to say, uh, my, my podcast, I'm, I'm the podcast that doesn't want anything. I don't want – I don't want uh, – I don't have a PayPal link. I don't want donations. You don't have to go to iTunes and review me. Uh, if you ever see me someplace, don't buy me anything. But I always ask if you see one of my guests at Oh Like a Tam uh, – if you see, say, for example, Jacob, if you see him at a TAM, uh, buy him something. Go, hey, I heard you on Conspiracy Skeptic. It was a great show. You were really funny. You were interesting. Uh, Carl doesn't want anything. I'm supposed to buy you something. What do you want? So if people see you at TAM and recognize your name from Conspiracy Skeptic, what what can they buy you?
1: Uh, mostly what I want is a handshake, a handshake and a conversation. But after that, you're going to buy me a soda. I will not be – I will not <laughs> refuse it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm mostly just like you know talking to folks at TAM, and I find myself uh, sometimes forgetting to go to talks because there's so many cool people that are just attending TAM just okay. to chat yeah. with. So yeah, just come up and say hi. Okay. For the record, you're not a drinking man. Not really. Uh, I kind of uh, tested the waters of that scene in college okay. and decided it wasn't for me. Also, uh, a lot of the guys that I look up to and hang out with uh, don't don't drink. It's just not part of all the fun stuff that's going on. You know. Okay. It, it doesn't even have to be a a conscious decision, because if you hang out with the Penn and Teller crowd, you know none of that's happening. So. Right, okay, yeah.
0: So, so buy you a non-alcoholic soda or something like that, and yeah. and, and and I and I want you. I'm going to offer you something, and I want you to say yes. And I've talked to Michael Goudot about this, but uh, uh, you're you're a student, and uh, so um, you know I do Michael Goudot's – Website as we, we mentioned, and yeah. he he doesn't pay me a lot of money, and uh, and uh, so I talked to Michael Godot and I want to donate this year's proceeds to you for for TAM nine. So it's not going to be a lot of money, maybe like a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, something like that. But uh, that's be- awesome because you're a student. You know, it'll pay for some meals and crap like that. So uh, uh, yeah, I I don't know about this year, but last year you kind of went on like the the TAM scholarship thing.
1: Yeah, I was given a scholarship. I'm not. I wasn't given the full details of whether my scholarship was uh, the the big TAM one or if it was a a private uh, person who wanted to just give some scholarships to some young people. But but yeah, I was very generously uh, given a scholarship, which which was wonderful. It really helped me out, okay, the, made yeah. it easy for me to go to TAM. But yeah, thank that's you're awesome, man. Okay. I, I
0: don't know if you're on the scholarship this year, but it, assuming you are, uh, I, I want to at least contribute to your help with your food budget because you know you, you looked a little hungry last year, so.
1: Well, you know, capitalists are always hungry. That's
0: that's that's funny. Yeah. yeah, And that's the thing about Vegas, though. It's like, uh, like the the South Points. The rooms are pretty cheap, but uh, yep. Vegas is kind of soaking me on the food these days, right? So
1: yeah, they can hit you pretty hard. There, you know, if you want, if you're coming to Vegas, get in touch with me, and uh, I'll tell you all the good restaurants to go to because there's some great cheap places too. A lot of them are on the Strip, you know. But but uh, but one of the things about Vegas that people don't realize is that. Because so many people travel here and open up restaurants, we have the best chefs from all around the world in our town. So yeah, come yeah. eat come eat in Vegas with me.
0: And that's the one thing I found when I because I went to Vegas by myself and um, <coughs> stayed on you know on the strip by myself.
1: <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Stop it.
0: I know. <laughs> there we um, go. And. Um, you know, but when you're alone, you don't really kind of want to go to, like, one of the nice restaurants and eat alone and then, you know, stick your head in the oven and suck in gas and kill yourself. You know? Yeah, it's <laughs> a little, a little <laughs> weird about eating alone. But, it's incredibly uh, depressing. So I kind of missed out on that with Vegas. So, so uh, so uh, you know, maybe travel at somebody or hook up with, uh, with you and, you know, for your, your generous rides. Buy dinner, <laughs> yeah. that, kind of, that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. but anyway, I'll, so I'll arrange I'll, I'll with Godot to get you a check or cash. Or well, something.
1: thank you very much. That's something. very kind of you.
0: But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to Tam this year. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm so
1: plan, bummed. What the yeah, hell?
0: My plan is to kind of go every other year, I think. And uh, I'm still. Well, I either want to go. I don't want to go to Sweden, Seoul, or Frankfurt, Germany. Hmm. For the summer I'm, as my vacation. So
1: I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking Seoul, but you've been in Korea before, right? You've Yeah.
0: Yeah, I should go someplace else. I was thinking Sweden. But yeah, then, I would go Sweden. Yeah. But from Toronto, where I live, like all flights, they all go to Frankfurt, and then they sort of – they hub there, and then you can get to like Sweden and Norway. And I thought, well, why not Frankfurt? Who goes to Frankfurt? There, like yeah. I mean bankers and trade show people, but no one goes there as a tourist. I thought,
1: why not? You should be that guy. Yeah.
0: I should be the tourist guy, exactly. Yeah,
1: well, you know, Michael Goudot says the purpose of life is to get the best stories – and that's more important than good judgment sometimes cool so even if it 's a terrible trip it'll be a hilarious story right
0: exactly and, uh, I, so, and I, I always uh, so I, I also call it the speaking about Korea, I call it the Korean questions where they're they're sort of they seem like kind of like forward impertinent uh questions, but all Koreans have to ask each other this to sort of know how to talk to each other, figure out their social standing so so uh, so we know you' you're, you're, you're twenty one yep okay, and are you married? Uh, not yet not yet, okay do you have children
1: nope
0: okay and uh and your profession is magician magician slash juggler okay yeah. all right okay, so those are the korean questions and then and then my final question is um I always have a final question, and my final question is uh 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 it, what what uniform if you could wear any uniform from a science fiction or fantasy TV show or movie, uh, which which armed forces would you join just for the uniforms? Like, would you be a stormtrooper or Starfleet? Just for the uniform, just purely sartorial considerations, not like they got the best weapons or maybe they have the best food or something like that. Just, I look sharp, I, I look sharp in that.
1: Okay, well, I wouldn't look sharp in it, but I would, at some point, like to put on a Starfleet uniform with no one around so they could not tell that I that I had done it. But I am a Star Trek fan, so that would okay. be great.
0: Okay, so you, yeah. you join now, which Starfleet? Like, uh, the original series or Next Generation? No, those
1: were ugly, so I'm going to get in trouble for that. But okay. I was not a fan of the original. No, I would, I would wear uh, Commander Riker's uh, red one from Next Generation.
0: Okay. Yeah, we will get email about about yeah, that.
1: going to get hurt. <laughs> okay. All right, Jacob. Okay. Well, I'm gonna let you go. Thank okay. you very much for having me on. It was a All real right.
0: pleasure. Okay. Cool. Any, any final words? Like, uh, like, where can people? You, you've got a website. I'll put a link to your, to your website. And... Well, I had
1: the website for a bit. I'm working on a new one. I think the best way to get in touch with me is uh, Facebook is a great way. Uh, okay. And my, I'm just Jacob Jacks on Facebook in Las Vegas, and i okay. get to me through Carl uh, or. Uh my email, I'll just give it out right now, is Levitating like floating. Okay. Levitating ace A C E like the card okay. at gmail dot com. Drop me mm-hmm. an email. Cool.
0: All right, Jacob. I'm gonna let you go. And I'm gonna answer that phone. It might be an attractive <laughs> right. might be an attractive woman. All right. Alright, talk to you later. Bye bye.